pass out these rubber bands because a couple of weeks ago, I reminded you guys that we're going to do this, so um, I'll let these guys give you some and then I'll do it my way. So, so there you go. So, um, if you didn't get one near you, they'll come by and pass it out to you. Uh, but the rubber band uh, is to go along with our theme called Stretch. All right, and so we're trying to stretch, all right, um, in our lives, trying to be stretched. And so this is what I want you to do while you're getting your rubber band. If you got a pen, write your name on it, because at the end of the service, we're going to um, shoot it across the room or whatever, and then whoever's name is on it, you're going to pray for that person for the next couple of weeks. All right, I still have mine here. Uh, in fact, uh, that's actually on this elbow, I mean, elbow, wrist, uh, and uh, my person was Tony, and he's, uh, yeah, graduated to another ministry, so I don't know what that means about my prayer life, but, uh, so, um, anyway, today you're going to get a new name, a new person to be praying for, so write your name on there, and at the end of the service, we will, um, shoot those around so that everybody can get someone new to be praying for and, uh, encouraging. And let me just say this about encouragement, since that was our theme last week, uh, we do have our encouragement wall over here. Uh, uh, the uh, kids from Kid Nation have put this up for us. If you're looking for some encouragement, some biblical uh, you know, encouragement, as well as want to give some encouragement, let me uh, encourage you to make your way over to the wall. Take advantage of that. That's there for you uh, to draw from and as well to give. And so um, you can take up one of the cards and then uh, you replace that card that you took out with another card that you would fill out and put in there to give some encouragement to whomever would come there next. And then finally, uh, while we're wrapping up our final announcements here, uh, did I give you the wrong one? Do you have it? Um, the, let me clarify a little bit about the menu that went around. You do not get food from that. <laughs> okay? I'm sorry, but you don't get anything. We get everything. <laughs> no, so the money that you're donating is, okay, it, it's like what you would spend on that meal, right? You're going to donate that money. Instead of you going out to eat that meal, you're donating that, that money towards the mission trip. Um, and so that's, that's how that will work. There's not actually any food that will uh, change hands uh, or mouths <laughs> uh, for that fundraiser. Okay, does that make sense? All right, awesome. Okay, so now we've got our slides here. Uh, today we're going to be in Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. So if you've got a Bible and want to turn there, uh, you can. And today we're talking about bearing one another's burdens. All right? So let's, let's just do a little test here real quickly. Does anybody remember what this is? Love. Each other. All right? Remember this? Encourage, all right? We want to encourage. Now, today, um, the, the sign that I'm going to show you guys for burden is this. Okay, so it's like you're putting something on your shoulder. Okay, so, you know, a lot of times you might see people carrying, like, lumber on their shoulder or bags of semen on their shoulder. Okay, that's the idea, is that you're putting this load on your shoulder, all right? And so when we're talking about bearing one another's burdens, what we're meaning and what the Scripture means by that is that you're literally picking something up and you're shouldering the burden with them. It's not that you necessarily take it all from them. It's you're carrying it together, right? 
And, and, and this is one of the things that we need to understand when we come to try to help other people or, or maybe you need help. It's that you're in it together. <laughs> you're not just throwing your burden onto somebody else saying, oh, I need for you to carry it. No, you, we're, we're carrying it together, right? The only one who can truly carry your burden by himself is Jesus. This is why Jesus does say, he says, cast all your burdens on me because I care for you. But if you try to cast them on somebody else, I want you to know they're going to fail you. I'm going to fail you. I can't carry your burden. If you can't carry your burden, how do you think I'm going to carry your burden? Right? If you Look at me. Right? <laughs> so the point of the matter is this, is that we have to work together. All right? And, and so when we look at this passage this morning in Galatians, look at what it says. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, if any believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help somebody, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. I, I, love, I love this translation. I mean, it just cuts right to the point, right? Like, you ain't that important, right? Pay careful attention to your own work. For then you will get satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. All right? So today we're going to talk about how do we bear one another's burdens. What does that mean, actually? What, what does that look like in our day and age? What does it look like for us to truly be caring for other people? What does it look like for us to truly be in it together? You know, one of the reasons we, we've started family groups, and we're calling them family groups for a reason, is because we want to be a family. We don't want to just be people that are casual acquaintances. In a family, you know each other very well. Sometimes you wish you didn't know each other that well, right? So you could give them the boot. <laughs> but with a family, you don't kick people out. A family always has an open-door policy, right? You come home anytime. Because this is a place where you're loved. The same thing is true for our family groups. Same thing is true for our church. But in order for us to do that well, we've got to learn how to truly bear one another's burdens. So let's look at this. I think it's interesting that in Galatians chapter 6, he starts out with dealing with sin. And a lot of times, let's be honest, sin brings burdens. We make sinful choices. And we get loaded down with burdens because of bad and poor choices. We've all done it. We've all made mistakes. We've all chosen poorly. And therefore, we all suffer certain consequences because we made those choices. However, I want you to understand that this verse in particular is talking to Christians. He says, brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters, that means those who are in the family of God. He says, if... Another believer. We're not talking about people who are outside the faith. We're talking about one of you in this room. If one of you happens to be overcome by a sin. Now this doesn't mean habitual sin. This doesn't mean something that you're just going out and blatantly doing. When you are overtaken by something, that means you're not aware of it. You weren't planning on it. It's not premeditated. There are some people who are in church who feel like, well, I'm a Christian, now I can just go do whatever I want to do. But that's not true. If you're a Christian, you're a true follower of Jesus, that means you are now free to do whatever Jesus wants you to do. Because now you're not bound by sin anymore, right? 
You're free from sin, now you're free to choose Jesus. But, as Paul even says, there's a war within us at times. And sometimes, we want to give in to our flesh. But as many of you know, you can be driving down the street, and on 85 or 285 or 75, there are going to be people doing 105. And you're not, you, you, just, you just checked your blind spot and there wasn't nobody there. But one second later, there they are. You see, they overtake you because they were in your blind spots. And let's be honest, we all have blind spots. There are all kinds of things that could come out of nowhere and overtake you. And so this is what this is talking about is that in your life, there might be something that, that comes up on you that you weren't expecting. There might be something that happens in your life, or, or maybe you stumble upon something that you weren't expecting, and then all of a sudden, that begins to consume you, that overtakes you. That's what this passage is talking about. So he says, brothers and sisters, if someone is overcome by some sin, and I think it's awesome that he doesn't you know, qualify what kind of sin it is, because in God's eyes, sin is sin. All right? There's not one sin that's greater than another sin. Any sin is an offense to God. And it doesn't matter. You can, you can label it, you know, a fib. This is a little lie. It's still a lie. Okay? And, and so, whatever sin it may be, if it has overtaken you, then, then pay attention to this, all right? A burden can be a sin. And a sin can be a burden. We all know that, Right? Some of us may have some burdens on our lives even this morning. And I want you to understand that we as a church want to be there to help you bear those burdens. We want to be people who are going to help you deal with and work through whatever's going on in your life. That's why we're here. But I do think it's very awesome that this passage says, you who are spiritual, and I don't know why, but my, there we go. You who are spiritual should seek to restore one. Is that all there is on my slides? Okay. Technical difficulties this morning. So look at what he says. It's a good thing that I know the Bible, right? <laughs> says, because yeah, we can become so reliant on this stuff, right, that it just, it, it pulls us away from what God may want to say. So, so let me just take a break from this. And let's, let's pay attention to this, all right? He says, you who are spiritual. You say, oh, I'm spiritual. Oh, really? Are you mature? Because that's what the word really means. You who are mature in Christ should seek to restore one. This is what happens a lot of times, unfortunately, when we have, you know, people who fall into sin. Or even people who choose sin. This is what happens. you got a lot of people in the church who want to point it out. A lot of people in the church who want to make a big deal about it. Is that spiritual? Is that mature? I don't think so. You see, he says, you who are spiritual should seek to restore, not seek to point it out. Sometimes, before you're talking to anybody else, you ought to be talking to God. Because if you're talking to God, odds are God's going to say, you, don't need, to, you need to zip your lip to everybody else. Because that is not something we need to be making a big deal about. We need to be making a big deal about what the Bible says. It says, seek to restore someone. It's real easy to start pointing fingers at people. To start poking at people. 
and saying, hey, you, hey, you, hey. Y'all know this, right? You point one finger at somebody else and you got three fingers pointing back at you. And odds are, when we start pointing fingers at people, we have got some blind spots ourselves that we're not aware of. And that's probably a big one when you start pointing it out somebody else's faults. So be aware that sometimes being mature means knowing to zip your lips, means knowing to hit your knees, means knowing that you come before the Father and you start talking to Him about people before you start talking to people about people. Okay? So you who are spiritual should be seeking what? To restore one another. What does it mean to restore? Anybody know what that means? To make new? Okay. Yes. To heal, to repair. It means to bring back to the original. To bring back, to make it as though it were new again. You see, you who are spiritual, this is what the goal always is, is to bring those people back to the first condition, to the original condition. When we start thinking about helping other people in their lives, we don't, we're, we're not just here to be giving handouts. We're not just here, you know, even though we do help people financially. The goal is to help people get to a different place, to help people get to a better place. The original relationship with God, right? That's our goal. We want people to be drawn closer to Jesus, not just closer to our church. And so to restore means to mend or to set back to the original situation. Think about it. Have you ever broken an arm or a leg or a nose? What has to happen? (laughs) They have to set it. And sometimes setting that bone can be painful. Now listen, I, 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 don't, I don't like any kind of confrontation. I don't want to deal with, you know, trying to, in some ways, hurt people to help people. But that's what a doctor does. A doctor has to sometimes hurt you to help you. He has to do some surgery to remove some things. And, and, and this is why it's so important for us to understand that truly as a family... Sometimes you may have to say some things that other people are not going to like. But it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Okay? You can't come at somebody just yelling at them, just condemning. You've got to come at somebody. How's your bedside manner? How's your bedside manner when it comes to dealing with other people? Because I want to tell you this, if somebody was, and I'm, I'm a pretty, you know, easygoing guy. But if you get in my face yelling at me, I'm probably not going to hear a word you say. And I might stand there, but I'm not going to listen. And so the point of the matter is this, is that we have to make sure that when we are seeking to restore someone, even if you have to inflict a little pain, you do it. Look at what that verse says. You do it gently and humbly. You don't do it just trying to be right. Sometimes that's our inclination. Just want to be right. Just want to point out what the Bible says. You know what the Bible says. Listen, Paul was dealing with the Galatians here. And the Galatians were struggling with legalism. Y'all know what legalism is? Okay, that means that, and out here, listen, if I was going to be a legalist, I'd be pulling every one of y'all over out here on this, this road. Because it says 35. 
And if you were doing 35 and a half, you'd be pulled over. Because that's what a legalist does. And a legalist is looking for anybody who's just an inch over the law. Just a, I mean, you, you let that dial go one. And, and you see, sometimes it's easy for us in the church to start looking for these kind of things and expecting everybody to walk the way we're walking. Your shoes aren't going to fit me. And my shoes aren't going to fit you as cool as they might be. But you know what? You're not called to walk in my shoes and I'm not called to walk in yours. So the goal is not to make somebody else walk my walk. The goal is to help somebody else follow Jesus. That's the goal. It's not trying to make somebody do it my way. It's trying to help somebody learn Jesus' way in their life. That's the goal. And so when we come along some, some, by, beside someone, we are to do it humbly and gently to encourage, not discourage. And so if your comments are more discouraging than encouraging, I think you need to take a look at it. I think you need to take a listen. How's my tone when I'm talking to people? How's my tone when I'm trying to instruct people? How's my, how's my heart? Do I, do I secretly enjoy when somebody else stumbles? Do I, do I secretly enjoy whenever somebody else is making a mistake because, oh, now I can point it out. Oh, I get to point it out. You see, that's not a mature believer. And, and Paul is saying the goal is for all of us to reach maturity in Christ. And so we do that humbly. Now, this morning, many of you know I like to try to find ways to illustrate and demonstrate these things. Some of you might actually find it a little unbearable. <laughs> but, um, but as I was thinking through this message, and I wasn't expecting this bear to be here, but see how God sets things up is that this morning, I want you to understand that some of us, when it comes to bearing other people's burdens, some of us fall into these three categories. You may be the stair-bearer. You just kind of sit there and watch everybody else. You don't want to get involved, but man, you can talk about it. I mean, those fingers burning up some Facebook, you know? And, and, and so you're just, you're just happy to sit back and watch. But I want to encourage you this morning to not be a stair bearer. Don't just be sitting there watching everything else that's going on, saying, I'm not going to get involved. That's not me. I just, you know, I don't want to get dirty. I don't want, you know, we were talking about this last week with the priest and the Levite who came by and saw the, the, the guy who was half dead. But it was the Good Samaritan who said, I'm not just going to sit and stare. Don't be like that. Don't be the not-so-fair bear. And some people are that way. Oh, it's just not so fair. It's just not fair. You know, why are you helping them? You're not helping me. Why, you know, why can't you help me the way you're helping them? Listen. Listen. Everything can't be about you. And sometimes when we start pulling out the not-so-fair bear... This is what we're doing. We're saying, hey, what about me? What about me? 
And, and as a church, as a follower of Jesus, it is not what about me. It is what can I contribute. It's what can I do. And, and as I said last week, when you give encouragement, you get encouragement. Not be, you don't give to get, but that's one of the benefits. That when you give, you usually get back. And the same thing is true when you're bearing other people's burdens. Listen, when you go and you bear other people's burdens, you're going to find out, most of the time you're going to find out, wow, I really don't have it as bad as I thought. There's always somebody who's got it worse than me. And, and so don't be throwing out this not-so-fair bear that, oh, you know, I, yeah, I, I'm always helping. I'm always the one that's giving. I'm always, well, then don't do it. Okay? Let me just go and say, don't, just don't do it. Because you already lost your reward anyway, right? See, the Bible says that when you do something, do it in love. And if you can't do it in love, then you don't need to do it. So, don't be the not-so-fair bear. And third, don't, don't be the only prayer bear. The only prayer bear. All you do is pray. Oh, I'll pray about it. I'll pray about it. Go pray about it. Pray about it. Hey, prayer is great. And you need to pray. But listen, James says, don't just say you're going to do something. Get out and do it. You, listen, you might be the answer to the prayer. So don't just use that as a cop-out to say, oh, you know what? I'm just going to pray about it. I'm just going to pray for you, brother. Just going to pray for you, sister. You might actually need to do something. And so don't be the only prayer bearer. Now this morning, I want to give you some things that you can be. All right? So he says, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptations yourself. So this morning, what do you need to be? You need to be the care bearer. Be the care bearer. Be the one who says, you know, I, I really do care. I really do want to help. What's happening in your life really does matter to me. And I'm going to be the care bearer. But what does he say? He says, you need to be careful that you don't fall into the same temptation yourself. You see, caring for other people doesn't mean be stupid. It means you've got to watch your ways. Because when you're walking with someone else, sometimes you can get so focused on them that you end up in a bad place yourself. Trying to help somebody, if it's, if it's detrimental to you, then you don't need to do it. What I'm saying is this, is that if you've got a problem with alcohol and drinking, you don't need to be hanging out at the bar trying to help somebody. Okay? Does that, does that make it a little bit easier for you all to understand what I'm saying? Okay, so when you're the care bearer, you can't come along somebody saying, hey, I'm going to help you because I know right where you are. I've been there. Listen, if it's been a struggle for you, you probably need to let somebody else care for them. Because what happens is you can get sucked in, right, trying to help. And then you end up in a worse place than you were before. But being a care bearer means that we all need to be caring. Because if somebody's got a problem with alcohol, they can't help their friends that have alcoholic problems. So that means that somebody who doesn't have an alcohol problem needs to step in. Okay? 
So, a care bearer doesn't let pride lead the way. Don't try to come in saying, oh, I got this, I got this. I know exactly what you need to do. We're not fixers. We're bearers. Okay? Only Jesus can fix your problems. I can't fix it. Nobody else in this room is going to be able to fix it. We can't make it right. But Jesus can. And so a care bearer does things with uh, gentleness and humility. We come alongside saying, hey, I'm just here to help, man. I'm just here to help you get where God wants you to be. And I don't know how all that's going to happen, but I just want you to know we're in this together. A care bearer, and then you're also a share bearer. What does that mean? Let Let me point this out to you. He says, share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. What does it mean to share one another's burdens? That means this, is that sometimes you may have to be vulnerable with some of your own struggles. Sometimes you may have to share some things about your own life, and that will open the door for other people to share. When you become transparent or more transparent with someone, all of a sudden people begin to realize, wow, we're just like, We're just like each other. And even though my struggle may be over here and your struggle may be over there, we're both human. We're both, we all need Jesus. It's not like, you know, we kind of graduate to this place where you don't need Jesus anymore. No, you need Jesus every day. You need to pray every day. You need to spend time in the Word every day. And some of you need other people around you every day to encourage you. Right? And so when we begin to share with one another, not just the difficult things, you need to share the blessings. You need to share the good stuff. There's enough bad stuff being shared. We need to share some good stuff, right? You need to share what encouraging words you've got. You need to encourage how the prayers have been answered. You need to be encouraging how God is at work in your life. Listen, I hear this a lot, you know, and maybe I won't hear this today, but I hear, oh, good sermon. Now, I'm not telling you that because I want you to say that today. But, but this is what that means to me. Good sermon. Okay. And I'm just like, why is it good? Did it impact your life in any way? Or is that just something you're saying? Just, just trying to pass, you know, so you can pass me by. Because, you know, to me, honestly... If, if God doesn't speak to you, it doesn't matter whether it's a good sermon or not. So for me, I'm only going to be blessed, truly blessed, if I see changes in your life because of a sermon. And so if you can't tell me something that God spoke to you about, you don't have to say good sermon. That's okay. Because to me, the only thing that really matters is your life being affected by God's Word. That's all that matters. And God can use, He doesn't have to use me to do that. He could use the music. He could use another person. He could use something else. But I want you to know that if God does choose to use me with something I say to help shape your life, then that would be a good sermon. And and so I want you to understand that it's about us sharing one another, not just complimenting, like we said last week. It's not just about giving a compliment. It's about truly encouraging. And when we are truly encouraged is when God uses us to help establish somebody else's walk, right? So be a share bearer, all right? A share bearer doesn't mean sharing gossip 
or sharing stories. Okay? That's not what a share bearer is. A share bearer is someone who's actually seeking to lighten the load, not making it heavier with guilt and shame. Listen, if you're just going to walk beside me and be telling me in my ear constantly how I messed up, how I failed, or whatever, then I'll bear my burden by myself. Okay? Don't come up walking beside me trying to lay more guilt and shame on me. Come alongside to help and assist. To help carry that load. But don't weigh me down with more. Y'all remember that song uh, years ago? I think He ain't uh, heavy, he's my brother. Well, your brother's heavy. Listen. When you're carrying other people's burdens, it's going to be heavy. All right? But the more people you have bearing that burden, the lighter it will become. He says, share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. What does he say? What does he say the law of Christ? What are your thoughts about that? Okay, yeah. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Remember, there's a, there was another law. What was the other law? The law of who? Moses. Okay, Old Testament. Law of Moses. And so Jesus comes along and he says, well, I'm better than Moses. I got a different law for you to follow. And, and it's not just a law that you're trying to keep because you're living in fear. He says, actually, the law of Christ comes so that you can live in grace. And, and where there is love, there is no fear, right? Perfect love casts out fear. And so when we're coming along somebody and we're trying to share burdens and we're trying to care, carry burdens, if people are fearful when they're around us, that is not fulfilling the law of Christ. People shouldn't be afraid of what you're going to do with the information that they share with you. People should not be afraid. Christians should be the best at keeping their lips zipped. That if somebody trusts you with something, you should be trustworthy. And so when it comes to bearing along and walking along with someone else, if you're going to be vulnerable with one another, then you need to be worthy of that. And so it's important for us to fulfill the law of Christ and to truly love one another where they are. We're all imperfect beings. And we've all got junk that we don't want anybody else to know. But if somebody else shares that junk with you, then you need to keep it with you. Mm. Maybe I better move away from my slides. So look at this. <laughs> you need to be the aware bearer. You need to be the aware bearer. And the aware bearer understands this. That when I'm loving other people, right where they are, I'm fulfilling the law of Christ. Because the law of Christ is this. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. That when we are doing that effectively, we're fulfilling what Jesus has called us to do. That's not always going to be easy. Because the law of Moses points out sin, which requires a sacrifice and leads to legalism. However, the law of Christ loves out sin and makes sacrifices and leads to grace. You see, when we are loving people as they are, we're going to love that sin out of their lives. 
Because you see, ultimately sin is seeking to fulfill something in us that is God-given, but it's trying to seek it in a non-God-given way. And so when we're truly loving people where they are, we're truly loving people, we're going to help push that sin out of their life. And they won't need that sin anymore because they are being fulfilled by God's love that is demonstrated through us. So the aware bearer actually sees this as modeling Christ. That when we are aware of our own need for Jesus, we begin to model that in the lives of those around us. Now, I need some help this morning, and uh, we're going to look at a story over in Mark chapter 2, so you can turn over there if you want to. And uh, this story, I, it's, it's not really given what this person is all about, but we're going to demonstrate this in this way. So, we're going to pretend that this is a mat, and Matt Birmingham... Since your name is Matt, we're going to put Matt on the mat. Okay? And so in Mark chapter 2, you can just lay down there. Yeah, sit down there, whatever. All right? So in, in Mark chapter 2, you're going to see this in verses 1 through 4. It says, When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he, was, uh, where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. And his name was Matt. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Now, Matt, uh, I'm not going to ask you how much you weigh, but I imagine you're, you're probably, you know, maybe close to uh, 180, 190, something like that. Um, oh, 207? Okay, all right. Now, listen, um, I, I could try to, and, and according to this passage, you know, this, this guy has been um, lame, right? He's not able to move himself to get to Jesus. And, and so what happens he has some friends. Now, I need, I need four friends. Who, who do those friends want to be? Come on. Yeah, you guys on the front row, whatever. Um, okay. So you've got, he's got four friends. Now, now, here's the thing. Is we don't know the whole relationship with these guys in the Bible. But, but I, would, I would guess to say that these four friends probably heard that Jesus was in town, and they were probably talking to their friend Matt, and Matt was probably like, hey, I'd really like to see Jesus. Now, if he has good friends, his friends are going to work to get him there. If he's got bad friends, his bad friends are like, well, hope you get there. Hope you can find a way. But, but no, he's got good friends. So what does good friends do? And I think it's interesting that it says he's got four good friends. Okay, one on each corner of the mat. You can imagine if he only had three or only two. It would be tough. But you see, one of the things about being a share bearer is that you've got somebody on each corner. Everybody's carrying their own weights. Everybody's assisting and helping out. So, why don't you guys pick Matt up? <laughs> I hope that canvas doesn't tear. Because then it would be a tear bearer. All right? <laughs> okay? So why don't you guys bring Matt down over here? All right? And this is trust 
at its fullest. Okay, yeah, bring him over here. Bring him over here. Alright, so you see these four friends are carrying their mat. Okay, you can, you can set Matt down. Alright, now, let's, let's just stay here for a second. Alright, look at this passage. It says, soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room. There were a lot of people who had come to see Jesus that day. And they all had good needs. You know, I mean, they, it's like they're all important. But there were a lot of people who were there just to be there. There are a lot of people who were just there that maybe they didn't need healing. Maybe they didn't need all this. But this is one of the things that's interesting is they had packed the house so much that the ones who really did need help couldn't get there. And they were in the way. And sometimes it's real easy for us as followers of Jesus that we don't intend to get in the way, but you can get in the way when you're not aware. If you're not an aware bearer, you're getting in the way. If, if, you're, just, if you're playing the not-so-fair bear. You're getting in the way. If you're saying, oh, you know, it's just about me. I, I, I got to be up closest to Jesus. I got to be right there. Then, then you're in the way. Because you might be preventing someone else who really needs Jesus from getting there. But, but what happens with these guys? And I love these guys. Look at what it says. It says, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. But they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So look at what they did. They said, no, man, you're my friend. We are not, nothing's going to keep us from getting you to Jesus, right? And so what did they do? They dug a hole in the roof. <laughs> Can you imagine if you were the homeowner? <laughs> All of a sudden, you know, there's stuff falling down, and then you see a guy being lowered down. You'd be like, what is going on? And, and, and so here it is, and you guys can have a seat, thank you. They were dare bearers. They were dare bearers. And, and, and this is what I want you to think about this morning. Is that sometimes you may have to do something that's a little bit out of the ordinary to get some people to Jesus. But the goal is to get people to Jesus. The goal is that you would be willing to get involved and do whatever you have to do to get other people to Jesus. Another interesting thing to me about this passage is that the four friends, they were anonymous. We don't know their names. Would you be willing to help somebody even if nobody knew your name? Would you be willing to help somebody? Would you be willing to get involved even if nobody patted you on the back? And, and, and you know, if you read on in the story, the man gets healed. But why does the man get healed? This is why the man gets healed. Not because he got there. He got there because of his friends. And Jesus says, it's because of your friend's faith that I'm healing you. It's because you had some dare bearers in your life who were willing to do something, who were willing to get you to me, regardless of the cost. And so it's because of their faith the man was healed. Would anybody be healed because of your faith? Would, anybody, would anybody's life be transformed and changed because you had enough faith to reach out and to do something and say, hey, look, I'm going to help bear your burden, man. And you don't have to call my name. You don't have to remember my name. The only thing is that I want you to get changed. I want you to be changed because of Jesus. You see, the dare bearer gets involved. And there might be some people around you today who need you to get involved. And if you don't get involved, 
they may not get to Jesus. The dare bearer also takes initiative. That means that you start something. You don't wait for somebody else. You start it yourself. And you say, you know what? Enough. I mean, this guy's on a mat. How else is he going to get there? So you may need to go up and wrestle up some help. And you may need to say, hey, I need three other guys that can help me get this guy to Jesus. And some of us in this church, this is why we have even elders and deacons. But you know what? You don't have to wait for an elder and deacon to do it. All you need to do is just say, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus and I need some help. And so let us know. But we've got to work together. So take some initiative. You see, the dare bearer understands the difference between responsibility and accountability. And I'll wrap it up with this. He says, you are not that important. Pay attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. This this passage is a little confusing because he's saying, bear one another's burdens, but then he says, no, you need to take care of yourself. So what am I supposed to do? This This is how I want you to understand this, all right? That we are all accountable for our own actions. Every person is accountable for their own actions. You look at that passage, and you see what it says. It says, pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. Don't walk around trying to say, oh, well, I'm doing more than everybody else, or I'm bearing a heavier burden than everybody else. Hey, look at me. Look at what I'm doing. No, he says, listen, every person is responsible for themselves. You will give an account to God for what you do. That is who you're accountable to. All right? What you do or don't do isn't someone else's fault. Okay? What you do or don't do is not someone else's fault. In fact, each one of you can control your own actions. And you can control your own reactions. When Jesus said, hey, if a guy hits you in the face, you've got my permission to punch him back. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, actually, if a guy punches you in the face, I expect your reaction to be unexplainable. That you would not strike him back. He says, if a guy strikes you in the face, then you turn to him the other cheek. You see, Jesus is saying, I'm expecting you to live in a way that you can actually control your reactions. That you don't respond in the way that everybody else responds. And that's going to leave people scratching their heads, saying, what in the world, how in the world could they do that? Listen, when Jesus was sitting there, and the Bible tells us he was blindfolded, and they came by and they began to punch him in the face. Listen, if somebody were going to punch me in the face, I promise you, I'm going to probably duck. If I'm that fast, right? I'm probably going to try to block it. I'm probably going to try to miss that. And if nothing else, I might even punch back. But Jesus is blindfolded. But I believe this, that Jesus, even though he's blindfolded, he's God. And he could see every punch that's coming toward his face. And he took it. Blow after blow in his face. Never balling up a fist to punch back. He is our model. You can control your actions and your reactions. You may not 
have to give an account for others, but you are responsible for others. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, you are. And even though you don't have to stand and answer for what they do, you are responsible. You are to help. You are to assist. Some of you are like, well, I thought responsibility is, you know, is given an account. No, it's not. You see, responsibility, let me help you understand it. Responsibility is the ability to respond. You have the ability to respond. That makes you responsible. That when you see a need, you should respond to that need. When you see someone that's hurting and needing help and needs somebody to bear that burden, then you should respond to that. That's responsibility. It doesn't mean that you're accountable for it. It just means you're responsible to help. That you have the ability to do something. And so you should. So when you see someone in need, if you're able to, to make a response, you should. And when we do that, we are being a good neighbor. So today, what kind of bear will you be? I hope that you will be a dare bearer, a care bearer, a share bearer. I hope that you will be one of those. Because you can be. And in doing so, you can make a difference. I'm going to have the band come on up. And as we uh, prepare to close out the service today, maybe you have a burden yourself that you need somebody to help you bear. Maybe you've got some things going on in your life. It doesn't have to be some sin in your life. Maybe there are just some, some issues going on with your family, some things going on in your job. And it's kind of become a weight for you. I'll have our uh, deacons, deaconesses come on up. And they're going to be available to pray along with you. One of the reasons we've set people up in these roles is so that they can be care bearers. So they can be share bearers. So they can be people who are going to dare to take that load. And so today, if you need some prayer, if you've got something that's kind of heavy for you to bear, these folks are going to be available up here to just pray with you. That's, that's all the reason they're here, is just to pray with you. So during this time quiet. If you've got something that you want to have prayer for, let me encourage you to come down and seek the Lord together with some people who really do care about you. Let's pray. So Father, in this moment, we just want to be available. We understand the responsibility we have as brothers and sisters in Christ to bear one another's burdens. Lord, to encourage one another and to love one another. Lord, help us to do that better. Help us, God, to not be people who are constantly pointing out flaws and discouraging. God, help us to be like Jesus, who willingly gave himself for us. So in this time, church, if you have anything that you'd like to have prayer for, this is your time as the Lord and the Holy Spirit leads you.